Hello listeners and welcome to episode four of Live and Learn, where I am here in my library of SCR headquarters with Carl Roberts. We couldn't both fit in the closet under the stairs. So we are here today to talk about grants because I know a big struggle that a lot of adult education centers have is finding funding. And I know I have personally been asked before to quote unquote look for grants for a program and I really don't even know where to start with that process. So as you have probably deduced, Carl is the other half of SCR Consulting. He is um, Chief Information and Technology Officer, Chief Financial Officer, Chief Do Whatever Else I Need Done Officer, and he's also the, the mastermind behind grants uh, and technical writing for SCR. Now Carl is a grant writer with lots of experience helping school systems adult education programs and smaller nonprofits. At last count, it was in the multi-millions of dollars that he has secured for various clients. And so I've asked him to join me today uh, just because he has knowledge of the grant world that is completely different from anything that I use on a daily basis. So Carl, if you'll first just start out by telling us about your grant writing background, how you got into this world and uh, how you've learned your way around and all that. Hey, so I'm glad to be here. I'm a grant writer, and what I tell people is grant writing is where business, human services, and writing overlap. Uh, I came to grants from a writing background. I used to be a high school English teacher. Um, I did that for six years, and then at the school district where I worked, they had a position um, for a grant writer in public relations, which I moved into, and that's where I began my formal experience with writing grants. So this is my fifth year uh, where I write grants basically every day and work with different clients. Um, I've worked with mainly school districts. I've also worked with medical researchers, food pantries, and a variety of other nonprofits from larger to smaller nonprofits. All right, awesome. So. This would probably be a good time for you to give us a basic overview of the world of grants because like I said, uh, whenever I am asked on a rare occasion to look for a grant, I feel like I just sort of sit at my computer and spin my wheels and I don't make any traction. So what can you tell me about the world of grants in general that would help enlighten me? The, the short story is that there are as many types of grants as there are types of people. So every quote unquote grant is going to be different, but we can break that into a few basic categories. And again, I'm speaking mainly to an audience here of people who work in smaller nonprofits. Um, there's some specific terminology that we use in the world of grants, but I'm just going to keep it as simple as possible. So keep that in mind. So um, when I'm trying to explain it to people, I say there are large grants and small grants. A large grant would be a grant I would consider $50,000 or more. Again, that's just a, a ballpark figure. But once you get up to a grant that's maybe in the $100,000 a year range, there are some certain requirements that go along with having that type of grant that put it in a different category than perhaps a $5,000 grant that's part of a corporate giving program. So those are two big buckets that I would put grants into. Another thing to think about 
and the easiest way I know how to describe it is competitive grants and non-competitive grants. So in a competitive grant, there is a certain amount of money available. Let's just say a million dollars. And there are going to be more requests for that funding than they have the ability to fund. So maybe 20 different organizations will be competing for chunks of that million dollars. There, some people are, are going to do all the work and submit the application and they're not going to get funded, which is really sad. Other people are going to do the work and get funded and they're going to be very happy. Non-competitive grants, the way I describe them is your organization is in line to receive some funds just by the nature of it being that type of organization. So as an example, an adult education center may be able to receive a certain amount of funding from the state in which it resides. That adult education center needs to fill out some paperwork in a certain way to check all the boxes so that it can receive that funding. So in other words, everybody who fills out that paperwork in that certain way will receive the funding. I call that a non-competitive grant. Now, the next thing we can talk about is the source of funding. We're gonna have a few different sources of funding. Federal government, state government, foundations, and or corporations. And so we're not gonna go way into the details of these different things. It's just important to understand that there are different sources for these grants. Because essentially what a grant is, is a funder, someone who has funds, wants to accomplish a certain goal. They might want to feed people who are hungry. They might want to help people learn to read. They, they, they're going to have some type of goal and they're looking for partners who can help them carry out that goal or mm -hmm. that mission. And so what your job is, if you want to be part of that funding stream, is you need to show the funder that you can help them carry out their goal. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So there are these different types of grants that you can apply for, or look for, and then apply for. So let's talk a little bit about what the actual application and so forth would look like um, as far as writing quote-unquote writing a grant you know how, how do I know that my goals align with the goals of the the grant foundation for instance uh, what what's the process of of my reviewing the grant I guess first and foremost and then you know beginning the writing process a grant is going to have an RFA or an RFP a request for applications or a request for proposal. It's basically the same thing. I call it the instructions. So some, some normal parts of this, uh, of the instructions would be a section where they explain in the RFA why they're giving the funds. It could be based upon a congressional statute. It could be based upon um, a foundation wants to give funds for a certain purpose. And so right off the bat, you're gonna see, for example, if you're an adult education center, you, know, you have a, a certain purpose. If there's a grant that is trying to promote early literacy and let's say kindergarten to second grade students, right off the bat, you might know that your adult education center is not the type of organization that's going to go for those funds. That comes up very frequently. I know a lot of people have mentioned to me that there, oh, there's a grant by such and such company for education. Can you look into this? And you know, several paragraphs in, it's very clear that the audience is K-12, not adult education or family literacy, for instance. So reading the, that fine print and getting in there 
uh, looking at the the RFA or RFP I know is a really important part and that that saves a lot of time because immediately I know that if I wrote the grant I wouldn't be funded and I think that's important to note as well because I know there are some people who think well just because they say K-12 maybe they'll still give it to me and would, would you agree that that's probably not the best use of time is to go ahead and apply for something that is against what the instructions request? It's almost certainly not a good use of time. In general, you want to stick as closely as possible to what they're looking for. So, and that's a judgment call, it's just a case-by-case -case basis. But right, if, if, the, if they're looking to fund public school districts and you're an adult education center that's not directly affiliated with a public school district, you probably don't want to apply because the likely scenario is you're going to do all the work and apply and they're just going to throw your application out because it doesn't meet their funding requirements. Well, and it kind of sounds like too then that it makes sense for me as an adult ed center or director to know my center and who we are, um, who manages our funding and that sort of thing. Is that correct? Definitely. Uh, what I would say to someone who is running an adult ed education center, if you're interested in grants, is to understand your organizational structure. And that's going to be different for different adult education centers. Um, you might be part of an independent 501c3. You might be part of a larger community college system. And so there will be people in your organization who can help you with that. And that's definitely something to keep in mind because at the end of the day when you're applying for a grant and you need to go through the proper channels to have the authority to do that. Within your organization, you really need to be familiar of what's the process of actually submitting a grant. And it sounds like, too, that it's, it's also really important to know what your goals are as an, as an agency so that you can pursue funds that you need, not just money that's available. Uh, is that kind of in line with what you're thinking as well? Definitely. You really need to consider, just like Susan said, you need to consider what your goals are and what your needs are. Because another thing I tell people is there's no such thing as free money. You know, as a grant writer, I hear people ask me all the time, hey, do you know someone who can give me $100,000 to, you know, do such and such? And again, going back to a funder has certain goals that they want to complete in general. There might be exceptions, but the funder wants you to do something specific with the money. So if that something specific is not something you want to do, then it might not be worth your time to apply for and implement the grant. Because if you get funded, you are going to be expected to implement the grant. Yeah, and I think it's a really important to note that for most grants, it can correct me if I'm wrong, there's extensive paperwork and record keeping required even if you receive the grant to show that you have in fact used the funds in the way that you said you would, correct? In, in the world of grants, we call that reporting. Almost all grants are going to have reporting requirements. And from what I've seen in general, a smaller grant, for example, if you receive $1,000, in general, the reporting requirements on that will be less than a grant where you're receiving $100,000. Again, think of it from the funder's perspective. If I'm giving you $1,000 to do a very small project, 
I'm probably not going to follow up with you as much as if I'm giving you $100,000 to carry out a more complex project. As the funder, I want to know that my goals for that money are being accomplished. And if you're not accomplishing those goals, well then I'm going to be upset. That, that's another thing to keep in mind when you're reading the RFAs and the RFPs. Look at those reporting requirements and think about if those are things that you want to do because again, if you're funded, you're going to be expected to implement the grant. Okay, that makes sense. I know you mentioned that there are various types of grants, essentially four big categories, if you will. So. How should someone like a center director or like a family literacy director go about finding grants for which they should even apply? So the first thing that I tell people is to be plugged into your community. By community, I mean your geographic community. So there are going to be community leaders, everybody from the mayor, other community groups such as your chamber of commerce and you need to know those people because you're all trying to serve the community you're all providing a service you're going to need each other for a variety of reasons so when the mayor hears about a grant that and she thinks oh that might be a good fit for the adult education center she knows you and she's going to talk to you she's going to email you and send that um, your way by community i also mean your peers in adult education. So you're a center director, you probably know other center directors. You need to talk to those people. You need to talk to those people about grants. Are they applying for any grants? Have they gotten grants that have been a really positive experience and you might want to pursue similar funding? Get plugged into newsletters in the adult education world. You know, if a big grant comes down the pipeline and you're on a, on a newsletter, Maybe someone emails everybody on there and says, hey, you know, is anybody else going for going for this grant? A lot of people think, well, I need to find a grant. Let me go to Google and type in grant and see what comes up. And that's a great way to get frustrated. So the first thing I say is leverage your existing contacts. Second, when you do move to searching for grants online, don't expect that the first time you look you're going to find a grant, number one. Number two, you're gonna find a grant that you're eligible for. Number three, don't expect you're gonna find a grant that you're eligible for that you want to apply for. I suggest schedule some time each week to just search around and get your feet wet. It could be 15 minutes a week. If you do those first two things, you will eventually start running into some premium databases. By premium, I mean they're going to expect you to pay them to use the database. And by database, I mean a repository of information on grants. A lot of times people think that these databases are just going to be silver bullets where you get on there and all of a sudden you're finding all kinds of grants that you're eligible for and it's just grant after grant after grant. It's not quite like that. I'm not going to take a lot of time and suggest specific databases or you know join this one don't join that one because there are lots of them if you do the first two things if you're plugged into to your community and if you schedule time each week to search for grants you're going to find the premium databases that you want to be part of if that works for you and i know another thing that i've noticed in the the few times i've done some grant searches online 
I'll occasionally find something from a foundation like, a, let's say, an auto, one of the auto manufacturers foundation would in fact have a grant that I would have been eligible for or my learning center would have, uh, but the, you know, the application time period has already passed or something, and so I just let my center director know you know, to make a note to herself because it tells you typically when the next RFP is going to be open and so that she can check later because if even if you find something that is already closed but it looks like it might be a good fit you know you can make a note and check back at another time uh, so it sounds like there's just a whole lot of organization required for grant grant application and management and all of that as well I know our our files uh, have to be in, in order right yeah and one of the things that jumps out just as you said is let's say a deadline's passed well the grant's probably going to have another funding cycle in the following year. And so what I really want to focus on here is you need, when you think of grants, you need to think of long term. You don't need to think that you're going to get on your computer, go to, go to a search engine, find a grant, apply for it, and have the money the next week. It's a very long term process. We're talking if you right now, when you're listing this, clicked submit on a grant, and, and then if you were funded, you would be very lucky to have the money within six months. And that's if you had the grant completed and you clicked submit. So we're back and talking on the searching stage. So you need to think of grants as something that you do on an ongoing basis, week after week, month after month, year after year. That's how you begin this process and you get several applications in the pipeline and eventually you're gonna start having funded grants pop up and there's no greater feeling you're just at your computer and all of a sudden an email pops up and says congratulations you know you've been funded and you'll have forgotten that you even applied for that grant because you submitted it eight months ago so you really need to shift your time frame to a long-term time frame yeah that makes sense so once you find a grant what can you do next and I guess an, another question that may be a part of that is I would assume that uh, some information at least like who you are as an organization your goals and so on would most likely be kind of repetitive from one application to the next do you recommend having some of that type of stuff already prepared that you can plug in and then modify as needed or once I find a grant what would the next step be well, um, to answer your first question on should you prepare things ahead of time, what I would suggest is just finding some grants and applying for them, and then as you run into other grants down the road, pull what you can from these other applications. That makes sense. And so that way, you're, you're kind of grant after grant, you'll eventually build up more and more information. And um, you know everybody wants there to just be a copy and paste where you're not doing much work. and all grants are different, and I, f I find that I do very, very little copying and pasting, even, even on similar grants, but you will get, again, like with some basic demographic information. Now, to answer the second part of your question, here's what I do whenever a client says, Carl, you know, what do you think about this grant? Um, and so I start reading over it, and the very first thing that I'm going to do is double check that the organization is eligible for the grant. And then I'm going to check it again and again, because the last thing that you want to do is put work into an application and find out however many dozen hours down the road that, whoops, um, we're actually not eligible for that. So you've wasted a lot of time. Once you are sure that you're eligible, the next thing you need to do is make sure the funding opportunity is open. 
for example, it's 2017 right now, make sure you're not reading a grant application from 2016 that in fact hasn't been reposted. Make sure that the deadline hasn't passed. If the deadline's passed, you're probably wasting your time to apply. Once I've checked all those things, I read all of the instructions. If it's 100 pages of instructions, I read all 100 pages of the instructions. What I do is I make notes along the way. I do everything digitally, so I will copy and paste different sections you know, into a document where I'm recording information. If you are a paper and highlighter person, you know, read through the, the information and highlight the sections that you think are a big deal. Then I read all of the instructions again because once you've read through the instructions the first time, you're going to have a general idea of the grant and some things will have stuck out. The next time you read through the directions, you'll already have kind of an overview in your head and you'll see some things differently. So let's say you've checked, you're eligible for the grant, the funding opportunity is open, it's before the deadline, you've read all the instructions and made notes. Next, you really, really need to think about this. Do you want this grant? And people get very, very excited about money and they think, you know, if we could get this $10,000 or if we could get this $50,000, then, you know, that would be great. But really, really consider whether the grant is in line with your organizational mission, whether you want to carry out the grant, whether it's going to be good for you. If you do, then you can actually start the organization of how are you going to assemble this application and submit it before the deadline. What I suggest doing is whatever the deadline is, make your deadline a couple days before because I promise you the day of the deadline the internet's going to be out or the power is going to be out or you're going to be sick or something's going to be going on so you're going to submit your grant a couple days before so that if the unexpected happens when it does then you have a little bit of breathing room. Um, and then from there, you need to work back from the deadline, look at all the components that need to be submitted, and think, okay, if there are 10 different components to this grant, when do I need to have these 10 components completed so that I can submit the total package before the deadline? Then you make a checklist of all those components, and then you complete them all. And that's basically what grant writing is, is you're going to make a list of all the things that you need to, to do to submit the grant, and then you're going to do all those things. So it sounds like to me, there's a lot of time required, to say the least, both in assembling the documents and getting information from all the multiple entities, because there are often going to be times when I'm not gonna have all the answers that I need and I'm gonna need information from community partners and some of these other things. So as a center director, when my time is already somewhat limited, uh, if I had the opportunity to hire a professional, what should I keep in mind? Well, with hiring a professional or even using your own time, completing a grant application is an investment of resources. It's either going to be your time which is valuable. You have other things that you need to be doing at your center. If you're working on a grant application, that's time you're not doing those other things. If you hire a professional, which is just someone you know, you're paying to write the grant for you, then you're paying them funds that you otherwise could have used for something else at your center. You need to keep that in mind 
with a grant, going back to do you want the grant, you need to look at how much time and money is going to be invested in applying for the grant versus the possible outcome. As an example, if the grant is has a potential payoff of $1,000 to your organization and it looks like it's going to be enormously time intensive and is going to take dozens and dozens of hours, you probably are going to pass on that. So you need to factor that in with when you're hiring a professional. What's you know, what's the size of the grant as far as the complexity of assembling the application versus how much time that you have available. What I tell people is anyone can write a grant. If you can follow directions, then you can write a grant. That being said, I'm working with a client right now who is a grant writer, but you know, she's the executive director of this nonprofit and she doesn't have time to work on this project, so I'm working on it with her. That's just an example of her looking at her expertise and saying, you know, I can do this, but I don't have the time, so I'm going to hire a professional. So it's really a case-by-case basis of, of, for a center director to say, do I have the expertise to do this? What's the complexity of the project? Now, as far as the nuts and bolts of working with a grant writer, uh, it's not as simple as pressing a button and a grant application pops out on the other side. Uh, the first thing to know that a lot of people have a misconception about is you have to pay a grant writer and not on contingency. And by that, I mean people want to pay grant writers based upon a percentage of the grant funds won. For example, let's say we had a small $1,000 grant. People will say, hey, Carl, you know, can we work on this grant? And if we get the $1,000, we'll give you 100 um, that's an example of a you know a 10% contingency. I say no. And in general, in the grant writing world, it's considered unethical to work on contingency. Hmm, interesting. Right. There there are several conflicts of interest there, and you're probably thinking, well, of course, you're a professional grant writer. You you want to just get paid. It's actually more than that. Um, it's deeper than that because most grants specifically say you cannot include grant writing services in the budget. So, you know, if you get the money and then pay a grant writer out of those funds, it's unethical there. The other side of the coin, though, is if I'm working on contingency for you, I have an incentive, a much larger incentive for you to get to get the grant. When I'm working, you know, deep in the bowels of this application on the budget and, you know, saying, you know, helping you spell out what you're going to do, um, it's a conflict of interest because all of my efforts are for you to get funded. Whereas my real goal as a grant writer should be to help you write the grant application that you will actually want to implement if you get funded. So going back to whether you should hire a professional, you need to think, do you have the funds in your budget to pay a professional. And, and also, like I said, um, it's not just a matter of pressing a button and the grant writer comes back with the grant. The downside of working with an outsider, like a, a grant writing professional, is they don't know your organization like you do. They're going to have questions. You're the one who's going to be implementing the program, so they're going to want to know what, it, what exactly it is do you want to do. And so you're going to be more working with the grant writer rather than saying, hey, Carl, you know, here's the application, fill it out and bring it back to me. Those are all things to, to keep in mind um, before you hire a professional. And um, additionally, as everyone knows with grants, 
Um, even if you submit a great application, you still might not get funded. The review process for grants can be very chaotic in that two people can read the same application and give it you know, vastly different scores. Or one group of people might be reviewing a certain percentage of the total applications and they may be scoring them more charitably than another group of people. I've heard it described that you know grant writing is kind of like playing the lottery. You know, you can't win if you don't play the game, but you might play the game and not win. And so, in other words, you might pay a professional grant writer who will help you submit this application and then you might not get funded and you'll be out the money. So it sounds like to me as a lay person who doesn't work with grants a lot that uh, there's, a, there's a whole lot to it, but even in hiring a professional, I should still certainly expect to be involved in the process because I'll have information from my agency that the grant writer will not know and thus I'll have to get that information. But kind of like I was saying earlier too, even if I'm the project director and I'm the one who's writing the grant, I'll need information from lots of other folks. So it also sounds like it's really important to know who has the information within my agency, kind of like you mentioned that, to make sure that both I have the authority to go for the money but also that I'll have the support that I need along the way before I begin the process. Definitely, and what you said about the support that you need is really important because with rare exceptions, a team of people will be the ones implementing a grant. If you're an adult, an adult education center, you're the director, you have instructors who are working for you, you have people that you report to, and all of those people, to a greater or lesser degree, are going to be involved you know, in the grant. So it's important that you're not the only one who wants to get the grant. And I'm saying that from experience. You don't want to be the only one who wants to get the grant because you might get the grant. And then your organization is going to need to implement that grant. Yeah, it almost sounds like a, the good news is you might get the grant. And the bad news is you might get the grant. So you have to really be sure up front that you're not just seeing the dollar signs, you're seeing the strings attached and the, the long-term implementation of it. Absolutely, and, and, and just like you said, grants can be wonderful things that can let your organization accomplish things it otherwise could not and serve your population better than you otherwise could. Um, if they're not approached in the right way, then they can do the opposite of that. They can actually take you away from your mission. They can take you away from serving um, the people around you. So kind of the short story there is, is if you are intentionally searching for the right grants with a long-term view, you will find grants that are a good fit. You will make the time to apply for those grants. And if you keep it up, I believe that most people will get funding that will be good for them. Hmm. Okay. Well, this has all been very enlightening because like I say, it seems like a lot of the time you hear that there's money out there and then, you know, everybody just starts scrambling to do what they can to get it without quite as much thought about the process. So this has been very helpful, I think. I know it's been helpful for me. I hope it's been helpful for other non-grant writing folks out there. So thank you so very much for joining me on our Sunday afternoon. And uh, that which takes me to my final closing point. For those of you who are listeners, thank you, first of all. I'm, I'm really glad that you're joining me. And secondly, if there's a topic you'd like to hear more about 
and you want me to investigate and find some find an expert for us so we can hear from him or her I would love to do that or if you have a topic that you think others would really like to hear about um, shoot me an email at Susan at SCR dot consulting yeah that's actually the URL SCR dot consulting and uh, I would love to explore that more with you so in the meantime until next week or next episode whenever that may be stay curious